Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io, which I co-founded after being in SaaS for nearly a decade. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you can think of us as your outsourced CTO. So we've got 20 years of development, entrepreneur, and business experience to help keep your project from ending up in the software graveyard. We specialize in software as a service and software startups. Contact us at onestop.io and we can spec out your project today. Today, I have a SaaS owner, Jeff Atkinson of Huckabay, an SEO SaaS company that helps you manage the structured data aspect of your SEO strategy. We'll go into how Jeff got started in SEO, the importance of structured data, and how he managed to get his big break growing Huckabay to 1.3 million annual recurring revenues. How are you today? I'm great, Jordy. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so so um, why don't you start off, we already um, said who you were, but why don't you talk about your SaaS and who your customer is and what specific problem do you solve? So Huckabye solves the technical problem of SEO, which is actually quite a challenging problem. Most uh, either agencies or in-house SEOs are really good at sort of the non-technical side. So link building, content writing, but we basically handle the technical conversation between a website and Google, which ends up being a really important conversation. Think about, you know, the amount of time and money we spend on the UI UX for human beings. We yeah. handle the UI UX for Google. And when they come in, giving them sort of that perfect crawl experience, the perfect UI UX for them to be able to fully understand a website. Okay. We have customers, we have customers kind of in all different industries. Our biggest sector is actually B2B software. We've got some really big fish like SAP and Salesforce and Concur, but it's not just enterprise. We work in e-commerce. We work in legal. We work in travel kind of across anybody that's looking to, to grow their organic search channel. Okay. Okay, great. So, but as I understand the, the um, start at the bottom package is um, it's, like what, fifteen hundred a month or something like that? Yeah, so it ranges basically from fifteen hundred a month up to about six thousand a month, depending on sort okay. of customer which, size. Which is you know it. comparable. I mean, if you're going to find an SEO company, I mean, you're you're really starting at something like that anyway, right? So um, yeah, so so you know, completely in line with what I would expect to pay for. You know, if I'm taking my SEO seriously. Um, yeah. You know, what's interesting about SEO is that it is almost entirely a services driven industry. So a lot of agencies and the average NPS score of a relationship with a services SEO services company is at zero, meaning you'd rather go to your dentist than go to your SEO agency. So it was a, it was a market and an industry really ripe for disruption. And we're kind yeah. of taking the complete alternative route of what an agency would give you. The SaaS model, which, which I, I mean, how many other SaaSs are in 
SEOs, you know, sites from like the ones that do like, uh, you know, Ahrefs and stuff that are doing what you're actually doing? Not a lot. Yeah, most of the SaaS companies in SEO are analytical. Yeah. Um, there's only a handful that'll actually, you know, buy it off the shelf, implement it. It's actually going to move the needle quite significantly. That's pretty rare, especially to the level that we move it at. Okay. And for structured data, I mean, like, what is um, what would be involved if you wanted to manually do it? Like, what's what? Like, what are you actually changing on the website? So structured data is if you wanted to manually do it, there's sort of the, the issue is that there's two moving targets. One is that your website is constantly changing and evolving and you got to keep the structured data up with that. On the other hand, Google's constantly changing and evolving what they want out of structured data. So having an outsourced automated solution where we're monitoring structured data across 65 sites, we know when Google makes or changes and algorithm changes. We also know when the website changes, it's all automated is really nice. And then we have a kind of a bigger product than that now called SEO cloud that actually will create sort of the a perfect copy, if you will, of, of the website. And it's leveraging this, this uh, new advancement of Google called dynamic rendering that actually lets us create sort of this perfect version of the site and give it just for Google to be able to crawl and inspect and understand. Okay. Um, before we move on to like how you got into this, I, I just want to break down because I'm not like an SEO guy, right? So mm -hmm. um, structured, structured, da um, structured data is, is like basically like, are you talking about um, the site map and things like that? Or what, what, what are we talking about? Is this when, when you go to do um, a search for a certain, um, you know, for a certain keyword is bringing up your website and it's the layout that pull, if Google pulls up or what, is, what exactly is it? So structured data is actually a language. It's a coding okay. language that, that uh, search engines developed about 10 years ago. And it's really the way that search engines want to be communicating with a website. So structured data is usually contained in a small packet of information in the header of a site in each and every page. And you can use structured data to basically communicate anything. So the most common used structured data is product structured data. And you can tell them, all right, here's the price, here's the description, the brand, here are the reviews. Um, there's also event structured data. There's structured data for almost anything, sports scores, recipes, legal actions. And what's cool about it is it's structured. So it's supposed to be the same across all websites, making it much easier for Google to understand what's happening on any given page. Um, instead of having to crawl really confusing HTML, they now, in even more complicated languages, you can now actually just authoritatively tell them. And so it really does two things. One, it really helps them understand. And the more they understand, the more rankings and the more keywords you rank for, the more traffic you get. But it, they also use it in lots of interesting ways. So when you search for stuff now, say you search for a sports score and it just shows up, or you search for a movie time and it just shows up, all those, what they call enhancements, search enhancements, are powered by this language. So because it's authoritative and it's the same across multiple websites, they can use it and enhance their search results using this technology. So when you see the FAQ boxes, you know, the question and answer boxes, when you see the weather just pull up or you see the five-star reviews come through on a product page, mm -hmm. that's all being powered by structured data. So it's a really powerful um, and a very big part of their algorithm today is powered by structured data. 
Okay, so um, we're, so some of the some of the top SEO agencies are obviously doing this manually. How effective do you think they're they're being at managing this? And if you're doing it manually, is it is it even possible to really keep up with all the changes and stuff? It's very difficult. You basically need like a full time person working on it if you are going to do it manually because it does change at just such a rapid rate. So most agencies that are claiming to do this, they're either kind of not doing it if you actually look at the page and actually look at the structured data, or it's broken in some way, shape or form. And the problem with when you have broken structured data is Google kind of gives you a slap on the wrist because it's supposed to be correct. It needs to be correct. It needs to be authoritative. And so if it's messed up, they really don't like it at all. So the manual route is it's a dangerous route to go on, especially down with a, with an agency because they just usually don't have the expertise to pull it off. Okay. So it's not like a, like a set it up once and leave it type thing. It's it definitely mm-hmm. sounds like you need to kind of jiggle it every um, now and again. Yeah. You can set it up once and leave it, but it'll probably break within a couple of months. Okay. All right. Okay. So um, let's go back into, into your, um, your background from, uh, I understand you were working at, at Overstock uh, where, mm-hmm. you, where you were sort of in, in charge of their content marketing strategy. Is that right? Or at least in, in so charge I, of something uh, related to SEO. Mm-hmm. That's sort of where you got your chops, right? Yeah, I was their SVP of marketing. So I managed um, all their marketing, branding, um, and then I actually ran their CRM and analytics. So, mm-hmm. Okay, so um, from there, um, walk me through how you got into launching Huckabye. Yeah, so it's actually kind of a funny story. We started out as an affiliate uh, website, so a B2C site, okay. sort of similar to the Overstock model, but we were, um, I think we were we were basically trying to show, you know, Wait, sorry, when prices. you say we, you're saying that you left Overstock and you started, yeah. you started Huckabye? Started Huckabye. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And it started as a B2C affiliate website, so think, comparison shopping engine plus coupons, one-stop shop, find the best price plus coupons. Um, At the time, Google had sort of flipped a switch that said, we don't really like affiliate sites anymore. And so we were really swimming upstream and it was a terrible business model looking back on it. Um, But we had built some really cool SEO automation software and people that knew the company and knew what I was up to wanted to start licensing it. So we pivoted into a software company about three years ago not even really realizing how powerful software was, the recurring revenue model. Like I didn't even understand that that was a a really important thing. It was just a way to get to revenue and got our first few deals in the door. And then, you know, we, we sort of established, I'm sure you have some questions about this, but we established some product market fit and then off we went to the races as a software company without even, it was really honestly, uh, stumbling into it. It was, it was completely accidental. Okay, so but it sounded like so so it sounded like because you had this affiliate site, you um you created these scripts or whatever they are that, that's in the structured data language, right? So that mm-hmm. this is sort of the basis of, and you were like, okay, this is starting to work good. Then you had did a customer approach you first to say, hey, how did you rank so high, or how how did you um how did you come upon your first customer? So the very first customer was actually not even structured data. We had built this little content tool that lets you uh, pull in Instagram posts at the bottom of the page, and then you could comment about them. It is sort of a cheap, quick way to generate content. So instead of having to write an entire blog post, 
you know, say you were writing about skiing, you could take like Rosignol's last Instagram post, post it on the page because it's all shareable content, and then actually just write a quick blurb about why it's important. And then bing, bang, boom, you've got content on the page. So that was the first thing. And then a friend of mine really liked it and he wanted to start licensing it or he wanted to use it at first. So I just gave it to him and then he's like, you should actually license this. And then we had also built this structured data automation that really became the first product that we sold. It was a pretty lightweight product, but that was really the first product that we started to sell. And yeah, I mean, I distinctly remember the very first sale we ever had. Um, I had a friend, a venture capitalist that I'd gone to college with. And he introduced me to the CEO of this cybersecurity company. We had a one call, you know, one call close, which is pretty rare in SaaS world. Yeah. Got up and running and there we go. That was our first customer. And how much was that? How much was that uh, sale for? Do you remember? I think it was two, I think it was like $2,000 a month. I mean, I completely made up the price points. It had nothing to do with cogs or anything (laughs) like that. It was just like, what do I think it? Yeah. It was kind of like, uh, yeah, we want it. How much is it? And it was like, $2,000 they were like all right sounds good so that's kind of our first uh a bunch of this stuff was you know as you as it goes when you get started right you you kind of have to figure out the market and what you think the appetite is and fortunate for us we kind of got it right pretty early but um yeah that was i i can i'll always remember that that first sale and and kind of making up a price point and what they were going to get and you know, making up the invoices and, you know, all that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. So this so time it sounds like yeah. you didn't even really have, you didn't have like a, did you have a landing page set up for it? It was more like it was. Yeah, we had a website. Yeah, okay. we had a website. Um, we had transitioned the, the affiliate site into a, you know, decent looking software site. Okay. It was pretty, pretty lame though. Pretty, pretty basic. And then, um, yeah, the whole focus, you know, I think really important focus early is, you gotta, you gotta be able to sell it, you know, more than even what the product is. You can, you can have the, you know, spend a ton of time and money on the development of the product and all this, but if you can't sell it, you know, there's really nothing there. So we had a really light product and hadn't taken a lot of development work because we kind of already built it. Yeah. And then For it was yourself, like, how do I, though, right? So it was, it's yeah. not like you really had an MVP. You were sort of developing this as long for yourself. So it was cash flow mm-hmm. coming from, the sort of poorly done affiliate site, um, but you still got it done, right? So your MVP was, or did you actually yeah. have to expand Bond to get the MVP to, to the mm. point where you could take customers on like add a payment gateway or something? Or did you not even have a payment? You'd like send them a PayPal invoice. <laughs> yeah, so I wouldn't say we had any cash flow coming from the previous okay. business model. I think <laughs> okay. the largest affiliate check I ever got was about $20. Okay. Um, but we did have a little bit of a proven model that it worked, that it influenced yeah. rankings, that it actually was driving traffic. We just weren't monetizing it. So, um, yeah, we had to do a bit of a pivot around the product. It was never, I mean, finally now it's visible. Like you can log into a dashboard and you can see actually what we're doing. For you, for the first two years, though, it was all sort of back-end SEO. So it was almost like, I was drawing stuff up on the whiteboard on how it worked. And then a SVP of marketing or a CEO was like, I really need that. And we would just implement it for them. Um, so, the, you know, probably almost all the way up to a million in ARR, it really was back end technology. And I was selling based on my sort of credibility. Um, you know, Overstock had gone from zero to 300 million in terms of SEO revenue in like four yeah. years. So, the, had a lot of credibility there and it was like, this is the future. This is what you need to be doing. 
and throughout my network and my you know friends network we kind of we got we got off the ground okay so uh it sounds like um the first customer you're at 2000 um, mrr and how long did it take you to kind of get uh say what the next level i would call say fifteen thousand. what was how long how long did that take i'd say pretty quickly it probably happened within the first six months which was really okay. nice we we i'd say the breaking point for us is that we got sap as a customer and that really validity you know gave us a lot of sort of uh validity in the market that this was a real thing you know here's a huge you know top five software yeah. company in the world our product just ended up doing a lot for software because if you think about software that these very complicated products and not non-structured websites yeah. so google really kind of struggles to understand what an sap does and structured data ends up being the perfect way to kind of communicate to a search engine what a software company does so when we got SAP, their results were so good that we just had a really, you know, compelling story. And compelling so we case. Selling. Like, did you, uh, did you use, you obviously broke them down and used them as one of your case studies and, and things like that from there. Um, mm -hmm. At what point did you land SAP and how did you get them? We landed them probably within the first six to nine months after the pivot. And I live here in Park City, Utah, a little ski town in Utah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had made a friend here in town that worked for them. And he was in, he was a VP of marketing. And he was like, I want to give this a shot on, he had a couple like micro sites that were part of SAP. And we uh -huh. gave it a shot and the results were just like through the roof, like really? triple digit quickly. growth. Really? Like, wow. Quickly. Yeah. Okay. And so that was like, that was huge. And he also was just an advocate of mine. And so he helped sell it within SAP. And then we kind of grew that relationship. And it really was through, through a friendship that I had made. Um, we met at a, like a tech function here in Park City and, and up being friends that like to drink beer together. And, and then we, you know, he, he almost like easy, just yeah. offered it. He was like, I, yeah. I want to try this. It sounds really cool. Were you like talking about it literally like at the bar or something like that? I mean, was it like, yeah, I mean, I knew I had a bit, big opportunity with this new yeah. friend that worked at SAP. So, yeah, uh, but I also, it also was just a friendship, you know, it was like, yeah, um, yeah. I would help him with other stuff. Cause I just had a very strong marketing background. Yeah. And at some point I was like, you know, you should just give this a shot. Like I'll literally give it to you. Yeah. He's like, don't give it to me. We have a huge budget, so we'll pay for yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, there we went. Yeah. Was it also 2000? Was that a big um, one? Yeah, I think it was about 2000 a month. Um, at some point we started charging a bit more. I think we got yeah. up to like three, 4,000 with SAP per domain, which was cool about them. They had a multiple, you know, they have like thousands of domains. So you could just sort of knock them off one at a time. But that was, um, that was a big break. Yeah. I mean, talk about, you know, big break software. That, yeah, that was yeah. A, that That's was a big one. Point. At that time, how much um, was your revenue coming from SAP, though, if they were doing multiple domain? Were you talking like getting 50% of your revenue from one client? or It never really got that bad. I'd say at one yeah. point, at, the, at sort of the peak, it was probably about a third of our revenue. Okay. But we pretty quickly diversified and got, you know, the yeah. first, honestly, like the first six, nine months, we... We grew a lot. Like we probably got yeah. up to, you know, at least half a million in, in annual revenue. So what was, obviously there must've been some growth challenges that happened there. What were some of your big challenges that came up um, during that first six months? And what were you at? So, so sorry. Okay. So you said 500,000 for six months. What, like, what kind of challenges were you coming across then? Say our biggest challenge was that we couldn't show anybody the actual product. So 
it was backend SEO technology. Now you could like show it, show the structured data, but it wasn't anything that you could really demo in any way, right? Most software companies, it's like you have an application, you're logging in, you're showing, you know, a chat box, whatever. It's actually doing something that's yeah, or there's reports or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it really was, um, you, you know, it's kind of a big step to go from, I'm going to buy something that's twenty-four to $40,000 a year, and I really can't see it. I just have to trust that it's going to do its job and it's going to make us, you know, grow. And that was a challenge. So, I, you know, we had that, we still kind of have that challenge in that 99% of our software is back end. So there are things now that you can log in and you can actually see what's happening. But it's it's not the bulk of what we're doing. You know, the real secret sauce is in the back end technology. So that was a challenge for a long time. It's just not being able to see what is Huckabye actually doing for me. They can okay. see the numbers grow, which is awesome. But, but that's, at some point, they kind of forget that it's there. Yeah. Okay. So that's keeping like client retention is not so hard. It's probably just difficult when you're showing new clients and you're like, okay, so show me, you're giving a demo and you're like, well, okay, so I can give my demo is like results from this other this other client that we have. So you're just doing case studies. Is that what you were doing? It's a lot of like conceptual selling. So it's like, yeah. okay, here's, here's your, here's a page on your site, software company today. Mm-hmm. Here's how Google views it. Here's what they see. And they just see this like mess of HTML. And yeah. then here's what they would see if you use Tuckabye and it'd be this very structured, okay. you know, this is a software application. Here's what it does. Yeah. Uh, all the reviews. So, that was that was sort of that conceptual okay yes if google saw this versus this we probably would be doing better and so that was it was a lot of like honestly it was like me on a whiteboard if i could get in the room with someone yeah conceptually selling why this concept was important is there a tool that someone could use um to look at what their structured data looks like i'm sure there is um, what what yep. do you use so that you can see like so I could go to my website and see if my structured data is like a t- complete mess or if it's okay like what <laughs> tools do you use? Yeah, so Google actually has a tool, the Google Structured Data Testing Tool, and uh, That's yeah, what it's literally through. called. It's literally called the <laughs> really Data okay. Tool. I've never heard of this. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's kind of a obscure little. But it works. I mean, our average customer grows 62% in 12 months. And these are like some really big customers. So Guys that already have think, a lot of data, yeah, or traffic. Well, not necessarily. It's some of, you know, we, start, we work with, from startups to enterprise. So it's, it's really across the board. What you do need to have is a domain that Google cares about in some way, shape, or form. So if you don't, okay. if it's like a brand new domain, you know, they're just not going to be that interested in it. If it has some what they call domain authority, which is kind of based on backlinks then they'll pay attention and they'll move the needle. Okay. Um, how about for, um, who's doing the, pro- who's your technical guy at this time when you're starting up? It was, um, a, well, we started with just one contractor, um, one development contractor, and then we kind of grew it to about three, then they became employees. And then uh, about over a year ago, we hired a really, really strong CTO who has taken this light sort of non-defensible structured data product and made it into this very defensible SEO cloud product that is um, you know, way more impactful than what we have with structured data. But yeah, at first it was a development contractor. I interviewed a bunch. I was fortunate I managed a ton of developers when I was at Overstock. 
Okay. So I had a background in dealing with technical people, but um, like what, what you guys do is fantastic. This is not, it's not easy to find that fit in someone that can take sort of a, a vision and an idea and actually make it reality. But I was fortunate to, to surround myself with good technical people early and we, we, you know, built something pretty special. And what's the, st- what's the stack? Um, so we use, um, primarily, so this is, uh, it's kind of a different stack because we, we are basically creating copies of websites, which is a little bit different, but we use, um, Google cloud primarily, which is their sort of rival to AWS. And then we also use, we have a big partnership with Cloudflare, who's the world leader in uh, content delivery network. So it's a, it's mainly a combination of, um, of SEO, I mean, I'm sorry, Google Cloud and Cloudflare that really delivers our product. And, and written in what, Python or something, or what's it written in? Uh, no, I think it's, you know, honestly, they use a hodgepodge. It, it used to be um, mainly JavaScript that was delivering what we provided, like the structured data was all being provided by JavaScript. And now it's actually all hosted at Edge through Cloudflare. So there's no more need for that. We're literally delivering websites at edge using Cloudflare around the world. There's no, you know, custom, there's no like, um, that sort of JavaScript piece is going away, but no, we don't use Python or anything like that. Okay. Um, and so the, uh, the CTO when when he took it over, um, what was his main focus? Like what, what were the things that, that he, as you say, uh, changed it from being uh, defensible to indefensible? I mean, that was his focus, right? Was to make it defensible. And probably the biggest thing was when this, this idea of dynamic rendering got introduced. So Google has, has introduced this idea of dynamic rendering for about a year and a half. And we took advantage of that. Dynamic rendering basically means that it's a pretty simple concept. It basically means that sites load dynamically based on what calls them. So if I go to a URL on my mobile phone, I get one experience. If I go to a, uh, the same URL on my desktop, I'll get a, I'll get a dynamic, I'll get a different one. Well, the big change was they said, well, now you can actually give a version just for us. And that's really because of the movement of JavaScript around the internet makes it very difficult for them to crawl and understand content now. Um, and they're like, just give us a version that we can understand. And so we were the, basically one of the first companies to say, we can actually do that for you. We'll make a perfect version of your site just for Google and they'll be able to crawl that. Okay. Are there any other players now moving into the space? Yeah, there are. There's a couple on the structured data side. Um, on the dynamic rendering, it's more of a technical solution that's being provided. Companies like prerender.io, um, they're more technical solutions than SEO solutions. So one of the unique things about us is we're coming at this strictly from an SEO perspective. So um, you can solve some of the problems using these technical solutions, but they won't um, fully optimize the site just for SEO. So when it comes to the SEO version, we're we're pretty unique. There's a few starting to get into it though. Some of the bigger. But it sounds like you were kind of one of the early guys in the space, right? That you were. Oh, for sure. With. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you kind of created the space, and now some people are sort of popping up. And um, are they are they sort of are they going about it their own way, or are they kind of uh, doing the kind of copying what what you guys did? A little bit of both. Um, I'd say in the structured data front, a lot are trying to copy. Um, on the on the dynamic rendering front, um, a little bit more going their own way and trying to figure it out. Fortunately, we have built a pretty good technical moat 
um, on, yeah. the, on the dynamic it's, rendering. That's product. what I was saying. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been in development for over a year, over a year with a really strong dev team that's super focused, which is, you know, will get you pretty far. Yeah. And did you, and is it bootstrapped? It's all bootstrapped? We were, yeah, we were, we've been pretty much bootstrapped until lately. So we did um, like sort of two rounds of what I'd call like seed angel funding. Yeah. Um, But we raised, you know, less than a million dollars over our first like five years. So we were extremely bootstrapped, got up to a team of about uh, 14, 15 people. In December, uh, we raised a, a proper seed round with two VCs here in Utah. Two million dollars, put that in the bank, and then the world fell apart. Um, which was, we are really lucky right now to have. You know, we're just in a great position with two million dollars in the bank. We hadn't really hired anybody additionally, so we're running right around break even, and we're you know just going to keep that money socked away and 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 focus on just being scrappy. It would almost be uh, a big culture shock for Huckabye to start spending a bunch of money and hiring like crazy. So for this to hit, it got us back to our knitting, essentially. We're just doing what we've always done, which is be scrappy, be, yeah. make products that really are, are driving growth. And now is a time that's really important for SEO because I think everybody's realizing that, you know, if you're relying on paid marketing and it just sort of disappears, you're in a lot of trouble. And so you kind of need these long-term strategies like SEO to, to yeah, get you yeah. through tough times like this. Yeah. So, so it sounds like it was recently closed. You, when you refer to the world falling apart, you're talking about sort of March COVID stuff, uh, ripping through the whole, uh, glo- yeah. you know, global lockdown and stuff like that. So you, like you closed what right in January or something like that. We actually closed. Yeah. Like right at the end of the year. Uh, I think it was like actually like the 30th or 31st of December. We announced it in February and then bang, you know, this yeah. stuff hit hard. And how was it? Um, how was that process? Like, um, had you been through that process before? Like who was advising you? Um, can you just walk me through some of that? What made, what, what was that decision? Why did you decide to do that? You were just sort of like, okay, guys, we need some funds. If we're going to, you know, you decided well, this is not a lifestyle thing. We want to, we want to make a run for this. Or what was the decision yeah. to do that? Yeah, you know, it took a long time. It, this round probably took nine months of my time. And it, it's, it is sort of grueling. Um, we uh, had reached the point where, yes, we wanted to go big. It wasn't just a lifestyle business that we're going to have 10, 14 people. Um, we, we just had such a sort of rare product market fit, an industry ripe for disruption, um, customers really loving our product and what we were doing. And it was like, okay, this is go time. Um, I had really kind of fought off in some ways, uh, VC funding throughout the history of Huckabye, but this just felt like the right time. And we found the right partner is really the important thing. So I'm probably met with, I don't know, 20 to 30 VCs. And um, a friend of mine, actually the guy that introduced me to our first customer, he's very prominent VC, uh, great guy and he was like yeah if you're gonna do a deal in Utah you know this guy Diogo is the guy to, to, to talk to and uh, we hit it off and and he was the one that really sculpted the round pulled it together um, we had to do some cap table cleanup and he he was just phenomenal and, and we really feel like we found a really good partner and um, and it came together um, we don't need like 10 million dollars which is really lucky you know yeah. we 
we could have taken a million, but 2 million felt like the right amount of runway, gave us like three plus years. Um, and so that was really the decision was let's, let's solidify this thing. Let's also, there was a feeling in the back of my mind that this economy can't last forever. Let's yeah. batten down the hatches. Let's put some money in the bank so that we have, you know, three, four years of runway and we don't have to be nervous every day if we're going to you know, hit payroll, if customer leaves us or something. So that was, um, that was really fortunate that it came through when it did. Was it decision- but a lot of hard work. Yeah, I'm sure. But it sounds like you met with 20 VCs. Were they all in Utah? Was that was that sort of a um, we met? Yeah, we met with everybody in Utah. Um, It was, you know, at that stage, it's sort of the seed stage. I think almost almost need to be local. Um, We met with everybody in Utah. We met with a lot in San Francisco and the Bay Area. Some in Washington State. Um, That was sort of our footprint. Um, 20 might be, yeah, probably around 20, you know, at least conversations with, yeah, uh, with as many as we could. And then, um, you know, Diogo had sort of been tracking Huckabye since the beginning and, and we had sort of built a friendship and, um, yeah, it was just like, all right, we got the right term sheet. We got the right, uh, partners. Let's go do it. So it ended up being, um, a, a firm here in Utah called Album VC and then uh, Kickstart Seed Fund here in, in uh, Utah were the, the two primary participants. Okay, so it sounds like networking is a really huge part of of your success, eh? Because of the, the networking mm-hmm. that you do. Um, what kind of networking activities, um, I mean, do you go to events or anything like that? Or is it j- just generally like you're just well-connected guy? What's, what's going on with your networking? <laughs> um, it has been a huge factor. I think the you know, the overstock experience was great. I was a really, it was my first job out of college. I started on the ground floor and I, yeah. worked, you know, that was a great story. You went to talk, right? right? Uh, I went to Dartmouth undergrad. Okay. I never went to business okay. school. Yeah. Okay. I went to a, a, a modified version of Tuck, but it wasn't okay. a real MBA degree. Um, so the Dartmouth network is incredible. I mean, first off, that's just opens the world. I mean, the founder of overstock, Patrick Burns, an alum, that's how I ended up there. He yeah. was my mentor. Um, and then just had a lot of success there, you know, to, to be on the front lines of a brand that grew that big was really cool. But I'm, I wouldn't say I go to a lot of events. I'm just really up for meeting people. I think like yeah. doing these podcasts is great. I've made a lot of connections that have become friends. And I really believe in, um, if you help people out and don't yeah. ask for anything, it all comes back. Yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. And so I try to be very generous with my time. And I also try to be very generous with my network. I, you know, I make sure that people, uh, that I'm introducing match up correctly and we'll get along. I never, you know, just throw yeah, uh, yeah. some, some bing bong to one of my important friends, but I'll, yeah. I'll make sure I go out of my way. And I feel like those, those efforts just pay off over time. And I can't, I can't value them enough where you're just like, you know, you do something for someone that you don't expect anything in return. Like, just don't just, just yeah. be like, hey, it's my pleasure. And then see where that, where that leads you. Um, and I think if you, you put good karma into the system, um, it yeah. comes back eventually. Yeah. So a lot of these are honestly friendships. Like I, I'd say I became friends with Diogo before he became an investor. I became friends with my friend Greg before uh, he, he bought Huckabye with SAP. Um, yeah, they're just uh, important relationships that honestly do start with friendship. There's a lot of cool people, really smart people in this business. So yeah, that's really the, the, the goal is just, you know, don't ask for anything. Just, just, Give what you can, and, and you know if you help people out, it usually comes back your way. Are you liking any mastermind groups or anything like that um, in the in the um, 
is there like local meetups that you do or is it just literally just like you know just up you know podcasting and 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 talking to people or yeah um i don't participate in any groups like that we do have uh what we call silicon slopes here which is a really big uh software push in utah utah's wild in that we have just unicorn after unicorn coming out of Utah. It's sort of right. like a hotbed in the United States. So, yeah. you know, we have like Qualtrics. We just had um, yesterday um, a podium announced uh, like 125 million in Series C funding. Another another uh, unicorn that's come out of Utah just yesterday. So it is a hotspot. We have something called Silicon Slopes, which is kind of a cool name for it. There's a Park City chapter. Um, mm-hmm. But you're not a member so of that. Yeah. No, we're a member. I, oh, okay. There's just not yeah, okay. a ton of like activity. You know, okay. I go to the I, once in a while. I'll go to an event, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd say like I, I more am just up for meeting people and 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 helping people out as much as I can. And then um, the people that I you know make a connection with, whether I go on their podcast or I I do do a lot of Finn, our marketing manager, has set me up on so many podcasts, and it's been a great way to meet people. And also for people that are listeners, just to get to know what Huckabye does and who I am. And I always offer, yeah. you know, if you, if you like what you hear, just reach out. And so that's that's become a good networking opportunity. But you never know. Like, I met I met the, the dude from SAP just at a party. And yeah. I met Diogo through a, a college fraternity brother. So yeah. you never know when the, the, the opportunity is going to come by. But having it in your mind and knowing that it could be an opportunity, I think is pretty important. Too. Yeah, that's right. I, I went, it's just curious. I mean, the podcasting is quite time consuming, right? With no real sort of benefit. Um, you know, how much do you spend uh, on a month doing guest like podcasting? Like do you have a, I'd say I do probably like two a week. So that's, uh, call it eight hours a month. Um, okay. it's pretty significant, but it, it goes a long way. I mean, it goes to my philosophy of like help other people out and they'll probably help you out. I mean, we've had, podcast that i've been on that's driven like four or five new customers um yeah so it you never know um what which one whether it's going to be like a connection between a host and myself or it's going to end up being a listener listening in it is just a a really unique um format that ends up um working for us and it it has driven a lot of brand awareness and so i i pretty much drop anything for the opportunity to do a good podcast like your own. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Do you do like actual, uh, is Finn doing, um, Finn's your 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 sort of um, VA, I guess, or your PA that is- He's our marketing that? manager. Yeah, he, okay. he runs like the website and the um, outreach and um, he's been, but he, he, I got to give him credit because when he first came to me with the idea of doing podcasts, I was like, I don't know what we're going to get out of it. And yeah. I've probably done like, 40 in the last, I don't know, six months or so. And it really works. Like it really, really? works. Okay. And, and, and just the, um, one of the things that people don't realize about podcasts too, is that you get an inbound link. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I'm thinking right away is so you obviously going to get a link. Yeah. 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 So at the very least, like you go on, you talk for an hour, even if you don't like the guy or whatever, yeah. you're going to get something out of it. And, and it, but it usually ends up being much more than that. Like I've made right. a lot of connections through them. Yeah. Like it's a pleasure to meet you, Jordy. We have a connection through Mark Byrne. Yeah. It's just a really cool way to meet influencers and typically people that have podcasts, you know, they know what they're talking about. So yeah. you end up meeting great people and having a visual with them and having a good conversation. What's it, Think what's about it? how often, how many formats, like you have a podcast, but 
before yeah. you do a podcast, how many formats do you have an hour just locked down that's incentivized to talk about really cool stuff yeah. over an hour and, <laughs> and record it? Like that just doesn't happen. No, and, and from my speaking for myself, I mean, I don't get to talk to like high level guys, you know, like a, uh, you know, like a Seth Godin or something like that, where, you know, I would never, he comes on the show, you know, he's a generous guy, but he wouldn't, you know, would not get on the phone and like just, you know, he would get on to do a podcast. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, yeah, it's a Great. good, it's a good exercise. What, what kind of, what has been the most successful outreach? Um, say if some of our listeners want to, um, you just literally go down through Apple tunes and write, just write letters and say, Hey, I'm, I'd love to be on your show. Is that, is that sort of the approach? I don't know how Finn does it, but he yeah. gets me in front of the right people. I think he does. He's a big podcast fan. So he okay. already going into it has usually like a, a bunch of podcasts that he like going into this. He already knows what he wants me to get on. Yeah. And so he'll, he'll, you know, we start really low level and then we've gotten up to some really big podcasts. We joke at the office, like this doesn't stop until I get on the tonight show, Finn, you got to go yeah, all yeah. the way. All right. <laughs> what are some of the big shows that you've been on? What have been some, some of the uh, fun ones for you? I'd say probably one of the biggest we did uh, with the VP of marketing at HubSpot as a really powerful podcast. Okay, great yeah. guy, uh, great uh, Irish guy that just crushed it. Um, search engine land. Um, yeah. Had a, had a big, you know, there's the specific to search. And then um, there's been a number of these sort of software related ones. And also, so we kind of do the search stuff. We do the marketing stuff. And, um, and we'll do like the SaaS and then we'll do the entrepreneur stories, yeah. you know, like how, how yeah, you got yeah. going and how you got this to where it is. Yeah. Cool. That's great. Um, we are getting to the top of the hour of our agreed upon time. So I want to thank you for your time. What, um, how can people reach out to you if they have some questions on, on any of the topics? Uh, what's the best way to reach you? Twitter or. So Twitter's great. LinkedIn's great. It's Jeff with a G G E O F F uh, Atkinson. And then, I do make a promise to, to podcast listeners. If you come to huckabye.com and you fill out a contact us and say, I was on, you know, you heard me on the big break pod, uh, SAS podcast. They can, um, if they reference that, we'll make sure that they're well taken care of. When they okay, come. great. Any discounts we can give our listeners maybe, or a couple of maybe free, free days or anything like that. Yeah, we do a 20% discount for podcasts. All right. <laughs> All right. Big break, 20% off. Okay. That's good. Yeah. All right. Good. Thanks so much for your time, Jeff. Thank you, Jordy. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software Big Break could be right around the corner. <laughs>